right, here we go. We're back with another edition of the Spectrum Dad podcast. I'm your host, Fred Marvel. Today, I am joined by autism dad and author Aaron Wright. Aaron, how are you, brother? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Anytime, anytime. I've been trying to uh, get more and more dads on, so this is this is really helpful. Yeah, no, I think this is uh, this is great because early on, uh, certainly in our, you know, our navigating this world, um, it was it definitely seemed like it was a, a mom dominated, um, and I don't mean that in a negative sense. It just didn't seem right. like there was you know a whole lot of uh, fathers' voices involved in. Uh, maybe not for a lack of uh, us being involved, but there just really was no outlet. Right. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah. So you have uh, two kids, right? Am I right? I, uh, you are correct. I have okay. a, a son and a daughter. And your daughter Magdalena is is the one is on is on the spectrum. Uh, correct. So okay. my son. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, my son, my oldest is, you know, quote unquote, neurotypical. And then my youngest, right. uh, my daughter is uh, autistic. So okay. I, I uh, you know, for um, to kind of protect some folks, um, I did change some names. So uh, my daughter's name is actually is Julia. But in the book, I, we we've named her Magdalena. Oh, I'm sorry. Dude, I wasn't even paying attention. Because I was. I was Right before we hopped on, I was in the middle of reading your book. Yeah, yeah, no, no worries. Yeah, no, um, yeah. So, but now she's she's your youngest. Correct. So when she was younger, like, were you and your what kind of um, clued you in that uh, you know there might be something going on? Were you comparing like her development to your son's since? you know, he, he was, he was typical or, you know, did somebody, um, you know, like would you go to a doctor's appointment and or did somebody give you some kind of advice? Right. Yeah. It was kind of a mixture of like all of those. So we, okay. um, you, you know, I would, and still probably to this day, um, you know, as a first time parent with my son, I was like, yeah, you know, okay. So, you know, we're, we're walking now or we're talking now or we eating solid food now, like those milestones, um, you know, I was aware that those are the typical things that should be happening, but I really wasn't paying a whole lot of attention. You're just, mm-hmm. you know, you're, <clears throat> you're focused on being a dad, right? You're focused on being a parent. Um, and then the when they didn't really start happening for my daughter, that's, uh, you know, that really started to cue us in, but we also, um, you know, whether it was a good thing or a bad thing and, and ultimately taking a long view, it's probably a good thing. You, know, you go to well baby visits, right? Those, you know, periodic doctor visits when you're, when your kids are young and they always measure, yeah you know, they measure height and weight. And one of the things that they always measured was head circumference. And, you know, for whatever reason, um, I blame my wife's side of the family because they've got big heads, but <laughs> you know, so her, her <laughs> is a, is a good inside joke in the family. Yeah. But So her, um, her head circumference was actually really large for her body size. Okay. Um, and so kind of that coupled huh. with the fact that she wasn't meeting milestones, you know, our doctor went down more of a, you know, we need to worry about something happening, you know, structurally in the brain, which, you know, of course, you know, panics parents, um, cause you, you know, you're automatically thinking about tumors and things like that. Right. So, you know, we got in, uh, some of these diagnostic studies that we were undergoing, like, you know, brain ultrasounds and MRIs, you know, happened really early on. I mean, you know, anywhere from, 
you know, kind of that four to 10 month window, we were kind of not heavily involved, but definitely in this medical path. And then once all of that was ultimately determined to not be an issue, um, we were still kind of sitting there like, well, okay. So, you know, she doesn't have anything, you know, structurally uh, in her brain that is, you know, A, causing the size of her head to be a little bit larger than normal, but also causing some of these delays. And then we kind of ran into, uh, I'm not sure what your um, kind of referral system is, but the early intervention services in California are based kind of on a county system. Okay. And, and we just happened to, um, you know, we happened to be at the same park uh, at the same time that one of the county social workers was there. Uh, and she, you know, kind of picked up on that, you know, my daughter wasn't necessarily, you know, playing, I wouldn't say at that age, she was really in, in playing, but, you know, engaging and doing kind of normal or typical type activities. And so kind of the, you know, the crossroads of all of those things, like, you know, our experience that this isn't the same as what our son's path was, you know, all of the stuff that we'd been doing with our pediatrician and then, you know, the, the county social worker kind of coming in, it it pushed us to get a referral rather quickly. So, you know, we had services uh, both inside and outside the house as early as uh, 10, 11 months old. Right. So that, that kind of got the ball rolling in terms of like a quote unquote uh, diagnosis. Now we didn't, we never had a, uh, a formal autism diagnosis for um, several years after that, actually uh, not really until we kind of were engaging and kind of locking horns with our, our school system. Uh, did that really come out? But I, I really think a lot of that happens to do with the bias in systems. Uh, you know, this kind of idea that girls really um, uh, can't be autistic um, because the, um, you know, the percentages based off of like the, you know, what the CDC says are so skewed, mm -hmm. are so skewed towards, you know, this being a, a something that boys uh, typically deal with as opposed to girls. So we kind of got put in this limbo zone in terms of the diagnosis. Now, I didn't much care because all of the services uh, were essentially the same. And in fact, many of the therapists were like, well, okay, well, you know, I would be using, this is what I would be doing, um, you know, if Julia were autistic. Yeah. Uh, so all of the, you know, the speech therapy, the occupational therapy, all the kind of infant play specialty, all that kind of stuff was really there and, and locked in. It just, there wasn't, uh, there wasn't a name uh, associated with it, which, you know, when I was, you know, if I look back on it and still today, I, I'm okay with that because I'm not really a big labels person. I don't, you know, I don't love them. Um, but what I've learned throughout this process is that, you know, they're, they're, they're your ticket to services and your ticket to access. So, um, yeah, kind of a disjointed, but, you know, thankfully an early start. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds pretty similar. I mean, our, Alex is 11 now, and he was diagnosed with ADHD and then sensory processing disorder at three. Yeah. Yeah. But he didn't formally get his autism diagnosis until this past summer, right, right. before right before his 11th birthday. Right. And Which exactly, is if you think, like, like yeah. you said, a lot of the services are the same. He went through the same thing with speech and yeah. occupational therapy and, you know, some of the behavior services and stuff like that. Right. So one of those, yeah, one of the diagnoses, you know, uh, she, you know, I don't, I, I don't even know how to, to describe it really at this point, but uh, you know, whether um, she still currently would qualify under it or not, but it doesn't much help in terms of school systems. 
but sensory processing disorder was uh, one mm-hmm. of those things that, and we'd even been, uh, you know, we've, we went back and forth too. I'm not sure if you heard of the star center in Denver, Colorado, uh, sensory okay. therapy. Yeah. Sensory therapy and research, I believe is what that acronym stands for. They're phenomenal people, wonderful therapists. Uh, and a lot of what they were telling us too is, you know, this is something that we would use typically with, uh, someone who's autistic. So, uh, you know, it was, Early on, all of the, the the nuts and bolts and the pieces were there um, of all the things that she you know needed in order to be able to kind of access the world. It's just that the the name wasn't quite there. Yeah. So, like, how how old was she once she finally um, got the autism diagnosis? Eight. Okay. Eight. Yes. So I mean, yeah. So we're. I mean, <laughs> we it is pretty similar, eerily similar stories. Right. Which you know. is, um, I don't want to say by design, I think it's that bad, but I, I think that's, um, I don't think our experience is uncommon, right? Because no. it, it's, uh, if you think about the referral system and how that's supposed to work and what, um, how it's supposed to work and how it actually works uh, are two different things. So, you know, when you hit that age three, at least here, you're, you kind of move out of that regional center county-based system and you're referred into the school. Right. Uh, yeah. Same over system. here. Yeah. So that, but then again, when you, when you, I'm not sure how your, your um, path was, but those early years, you know, not that we were um, not that it was problem free or easy, but getting those early intervention services just, you know, it just started happening and it wasn't a push or it wasn't a fight. These were just things that were, you know, unfolding for us, which was great. But then when you hit that school district transition, um, you know, it was like a, a wall was dropped in front of you. It really becomes this, you know, this, this fight, uh, you know, uh, uh, this confrontational fight. But that's what I'm saying is why the delay in diagnosis is kind of is baked into that process is, you know, the school district is then responsible for identifying these conditions, right? But once right. they identify them, you know, they're effectively responsible for, for, you know, treating or providing access or accommodating. So it's, uh, it's almost in their best interest not to because it's cheaper for them. So you really, a lot of parents, and this is, you know, we've run into this certainly kind of in our own community. You know, a lot of parents have gone through a very similar path. Uh, that we have, but then they run headlong into the system that really doesn't have a vested interest um, in identifying or, or helping accommodate or provide access. So oftentimes uh, that diagnosis is, is really late in coming. And it's, I don't know if you've had much chance to talk to, you know, autistic adults uh, who have gone through, you know, and can go back and tell you about like that their childhood experiences was like, and that, you know, that whole um, kind of path of being unsupported and not recognized. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, it's really hard. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And detrimental to them oftentimes. Yeah. And, and the tough thing is, is like all of these things change pretty, pretty rapidly. I mean, you know, when Alex was younger, I mean, you had uh, the autism spectrum, but you also had Asperger's, which was like at the time, like an offshoot, but then they all get lumped together and things are, things are constantly changing, you know, good or bad, but they, you know, 
it, it's constantly evolving and everybody's learning more, more and more as, as, as you go. So yeah, I, I actually, a couple months ago, I had a couple of uh, women on who are in their mid twenties and they were just recently diagnosed and it's, yeah. you know, basically what you described, um, you know, the perception that uh, women typically don't, uh, you know, aren't on the spectrum as nearly as often as as males are and just you know the evolution of autism and its recognition and its treatment and everything else within the last you know 10 20 years it's it's crazy right and there's the uh, there's really no scientific basis or proof uh, that you know women or girls are uh, any less likely to be autistic, but mm-hmm. there's, you know, there's that pervasive idea that, that, that is in fact the case and it can be really harmful. Um, you know, we, we know as parents, right. At least if we're not consciously thinking about it, we intuitively know that if you don't help and support, uh, kids and get them access to, you know, school or, you know, long-term you think about jobs, like their yeah. ability to access the world because it's not built for them is greatly diminished, especially if we're not supporting them really early on. Now, once your daughter formally got diagnosed, I mean, was that kind of like, how did, how did you view that? Was that just like another, I don't know, like it just, was that like a setback in your eyes? Was that just like another day at the office? Like, you know, because she's been in, you know, different therapies and everything over the years, and you kind of had an idea already, or, you know what I mean? Like, what was, what was your emotions once you finally heard that, you know, your daughter was on the spectrum? Yeah, I, um, that's like I said earlier, I, I don't know that I had, um, in some sense, it was more of a sense of relief, but not relief, like, Oh, thank God we finally have an answer. It was like, okay, thank God we finally have something that will help kind of punch our ticket and make this path a little bit easier. Yeah. You you know, like because for so long um, we did not have that in a, you know, diagnosis on a piece of paper in writing that we could, you know, take to a school district, um, you know, for so long that was pushed back and, you know, used against us. Well, you know, you're, you know, nobody in your private professional world thinks that uh, any of this is an issue. So we don't have to either. So it was, it was a relief from that sense that, okay, great. I've got something that I can, you know, it's tangible. We can hold on, we can take the places and hopefully it it will help get us or get her access and accommodations. Um, But, you know, early on, like I said, I'm not really a big labels guy. In fact, you know, I kind of have, you know, it's maybe my reverting to my old teenage mentality, like, you know, don't, don't try and put me in a box, you know, don't try and label me. I don't, you know, and I, you know, I feel that way a little bit about, you know, my kids, you know, don't try and put a label on them or apply something to the, something that you don't yourself understand. So, but I'm, you know, I'm, hopefully I'm a conscious adult (laughs) and aware that you know these things are necessary um you know in our world at this point is to in order to get them help right so no there's no 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 emotional turmoil she is who she is and and we love her and and we love her because she is who she is 
Yeah, it's perfect. Um, before we wrap this up, I want to hit on two things. Yeah. Unless if everybody is not following you, I th- honestly, and I'm not trying to, you know, kiss your ass or anything, but <laughs> your inst- your Instagram is like a must follow for anybody that's got, you know, kids with whatever autism, ADHD, sensory processing disorder, because you go into a lot of informational stuff yeah. that. I don't think is out there like stuff concerning like IEPs and everything like that, that um, my biggest gripe is like a lot of this stuff, unless you know to go look for it and ask for it, you know, <laughs> people aren't advertising. Uh, you can do this or you can get that, you know? Right. right. So what led you to become uh, such a, uh, such an advocate? I'll call you. Um, well, thanks. Um Two things. Well, you know, one, actually, my daughter. Uh, but two, um, you're right. There is. Um, so part of what I try and put out on Instagram is like helpful, factual, you know, snippets, because there is no, um, you know, the law, the federal law that protects our children is the Individuals with Disability Education Act. Right. And that's that law is what. um put out there that there are these things that are called IEPs, these individual education plans for for our children. Uh, And there's other various aspects of that law. But um, the backside of that law is that, yeah, it looks looks great on paper. Um, It looks like it's supposed to be there to help our kids. Um, But there's nobody there really enforcing it. So, you know, it's not like the IRS or some other agency, independent agency, is going to come in and audit what a school district is doing to make sure that they're in compliance. You know, the reality of the way our world works is that you, the parent, are the, you know, you're the sole policeman to make sure that what is put into that IEP, which is, you know, a, essentially a contract, it's a legal document saying what these schools are going to be doing for your children, you're the only one policing to make sure that that is actually being followed. So uh, you do have to be parents like us, unfortunately, whether you like it or not, you get thrust into this role where you have to be an advocate. Um, So I really want to be able to arm parents with as much um, information as uh, I can um, and really want to build, you know, as much as yes, this is absolutely uh, my Instagram is absolutely for, you know, families like ours. I also want to involve and get in engage uh, parents that, uh, and families that don't have uh, children who are on in special education to kind of, you know, bring in allies and show them kind of what our world is like. Yeah. Um, I've said that, you know, I've said this before in different forums and I feel like I'm repetitive, but, you know, you don't have to be a woman and you don't have to be the victim of misogyny or sexual assault to be supportive of the Me Too movement. You just, you need to be aware, right? And so a lot of what I try and do is is get awareness out there about you know, what our system and what our world is like and what we have to do constantly on a day in day out basis uh, to navigate this world for our kids. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and you also you've got a book coming out, too. I do. I do. Um, so the end of this month, January 26th, uh, we'll be launching uh, 13 Doors is the name of the book, uh, which is I titled it after the uh actually after the Individuals with Disability Education Act, there's 13 uh, quote unquote disabling categories that your child could qualify for special education under. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, and, and my biggest beef is I don't know why these are doors. Like they should just be open hallways, right? You should just um, be able to access them, access them when you need them and not have to fight to get in them. But yeah, it is, um, it is a memoir, uh, but it's written like a novel. Uh, and that's purposeful. I wanted to be able to, one, I've written so many complaints in my life. I didn't want to write another complaint. Nobody wants to read me complaining. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I wanted to give people a sense of what life is like for families like ours trying to navigate this world. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted I wanted to do it in a way that not only reached you know families like ours and probably families like your listeners, but also recruit some families and people uh, in circles that don't necessarily kind of swim in the same waters that we do, and really kind of cultivate some allies to help you know bring some positive change. Yeah, and it's great, dude. You were kind enough to send me an advanced copy. And like I told you before uh, we started recording, I'm about 70 pages in and, and it's, it's phenomenal. It's, hey. it's, very, it's very well written. It's, it's very honest and open. And, you know, I think, uh, every, you know, it should be uh, required reading for a lot of people. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I try. It, it is. It's I mean, it's a true story. And, um, you know, my wife is the extrovert. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm more of the introvert. So, you know, sharing stuff is not necessarily uh, my go to. Uh, <laughs> but I really felt like I had to be one. I feel like I really had to tell the story just so that people are aware of kind of what we're doing. But I, I honestly and I felt like I had to be brutally honest. Wouldn't have been authentic. Right. Yeah, I know. It's easy to share like all of the accomplishments and milestones and everything, but all that, all you know, all the other stuff, all the emotions that we go through and all the emotions our kids go through and their, you know, problems and struggles and everything like that, you know, I, I, while it's tough to share that stuff, I think it's important yeah. that we share those yeah, things. Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time, dude. Um, you know, this is this has been great. It's been really helpful. And I appreciate you coming on here and taking some time out of your day to help me. Out. No, 100 percent. This has been uh, fantastic. And I really appreciate, um, you know, this kind of forum is great. Um, the folks that you, you know, your listeners, the folks that you reach, um, I really do believe that by you know, sharing stories uh, is how you do two things. One, you kind of build empathy, you know, in a community and you, and you build awareness. Uh, and when you've got those two things working for you, you know, I think change is possible. And, and, Absolutely. and you're making a better world for not only our kids, but everybody's kids. Yeah, we're trying. We're trying. Everybody's doing it in their own yeah, way. No, I appreciate what you do. So thank you so much for having me. Anytime. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate yeah. it. I can't let you guys go without the Spectrum Dad joke of the week. So here it is. My kids asked me the other day, they said, Dad, did you get a haircut? I said, no, I got them all cut. I'll talk to you guys next week. Don't forget, leave me a five-star review. I'm on Instagram. You can connect with me at the Spectrum Dad Pot. And I will talk to you guys later. See you.